0: This is No Love Live with Pastor Tim Warholic. Tim is the senior pastor of Paradise Calvary Chapel in Las Vegas, Nevada. No, yeah. need a Bible, please raise your hand so that we can get you a Bible. You can follow along with us. We're going to be starting off this morning in Luke chapter 2. And what I'm going to be doing starting today is we're going to do a three-week series up to Christmas. I don't typically do this, but the Lord was like, put it on my heart to focus a little bit more on the upcoming holiday and, and really what it means to us as believers in Jesus Christ. I've never really been a huge holiday guy. I caught some really major flack about this from my wife in the early years of our marriage. And I'm like, the one day is the same as the next day. Who cares? You know, like I'm not gonna spend any money just because it's Friday and people wanna make money. And... <laughs> but as time goes by, I realize that you know the, the Jews also they had three appointed feasts, and there are times throughout the year that we can really Whatever whatever the case may be, whether the dates are right or wrong or indifferent or, or whatever, that we can really sanctify a time, a period of time to set aside and, and meditate on some things that have meaning, have purpose, <coughs> and that the Lord may be preparing us to use us for something in the near future. So uh, I want us to do that. I just mentioned this in... in um, our study in Deuteronomy on Wednesday that you see the children of Israel every time before God does something huge for the nation of Israel, like parting the sea and destroying an entire army or taking them into the promise. And he always says, you know, I want you guys to sanctify yourselves. I want you to set aside a little bit of time to meditate on me, on my word, and on what I'm telling you I'm going to do. It's a meditation on the promises and the fulfillment of the promises of God. And I think that we should, should be in the same place, don't you? We can say, God, what are you doing? What are you preparing us for? How can we best be used for your glorious purposes here on earth? So my question for you this morning, and we're going to end with this question as well. My question for you this morning is, how's Christmas coming? You guys ready? You ready for Christmas? We got two people. All right, we had two people first service, two people second service. Everybody else, know. If Christmas was tomorrow, you guys would be in big trouble. But here's the deal with Christmas. The preparation that you are making right now is for... Uh, don't get mad at me, okay? You know, it's for the kingdom of earth. It's, it's for your friends, your family, festivities, and all that kinds of stuff. But, but we know that whenever we come to these points during the year, that there's also a type of... Uh, Prepar- preparation that God wants us to be doing on, on the spiritual level as well. So the title of this series is called Arrival. And I think of, when I think of the word arrival, I think of a plane, the, the sign of the plane descending. I like those two signs, you know. There's a plane with its nose pointed down, with you could see the, the ground, and then there's a plane with its nose pointed up, arrivals and departures. Well, there's an arrival that's coming. There's a, an arrival that we're preparing for. And on that note of, of airlines, how many of you remember back in the day when you would fly? First of all, it wasn't a couple hundred bucks. I used to fly back to Pennsylvania to see my grandmother. And from Vegas to Pennsylvania, I had to fly through Newark or, or Chicago or Philadelphia. And we're talking like seven, eight, nine hundred bucks. This is a long time ago. This is like the 90s. Nothing. All right. So... Um, it's a lot of money. Took a lot of time. And and back in those days, whenever you'd be landing into an airport or arriving, you would you'd get off the plane and you'd go down the tunnel of the plane, and you'd be making your way down the tunnel. And then you come at the end of the tunnel, and at the end of the tunnel, there's all these people waiting for all the passengers. You remember that? Not anymore, and everybody's like, welcome, oh, home, we love you, and they're hugging and kissing, they got big signs, they were prepared for the arrival of somebody, and it was exciting. Now you get to the airport, or you fly in, you walk down the tunnel, and nobody's there. The slot machines greet you. (laughs) Here, throw a buck or two in us on your way to go pick up your luggage. Don't worry, we'll have some more down there for you as well. But even now, like, do you see very many people waiting at the luggage pickup for the passengers? Not, not like I remember back in the day. And even, God bless him, you know, he's not here this morning. He's usually here every, every service, and I, I hope he's listening. But my, my dad, even my dad, you know, I'll be flying back, and my dad's like, when you touch down, call me. I'll come down to pick you up. You come out, passenger pickup. Er, I'll stop and get you. And I'm like, no, come in, Dad. Give me a hug. Tell me you missed me. I was in Europe for two years and coming back, I thought to myself, I'm really excited to come back. I haven't been back in two years. i got this church family. I've got these friends and I thought that I was going to come home and it was going to be like, you know, hey, Tim's back. Tommy wasn't there. (laughs) Tommy was not anywhere to be seen. I walked out. I thought maybe, you know, one or two people, nobody. And I thought, man, nobody was prepared for my arrival. And then I think of this season, and the preparedness that needs to be happening for us right now. I think of the Son of God coming from heaven to earth, and I think of how in my shallow human existence, how I can feel or have my feelings hurt about a couple people not meeting me somewhere where I'd like them to be. I think of Jesus being born, not in an inn, not in a room, not with his friends, not with extended family that we know of to whatever degree, It's humble beginnings in a stable, no place to lay him so he put him in a manger and then fast forward 30 years later, Jesus saying to his disciples, the son of man has nowhere to lay his head, foxes have holes, birds have nests but the son of man came to the earth For a purpose, and that purpose was to do the will of the Father, and that was the very most important thing to him. And here we see this picture in Luke chapter 2, beginning the arrival of the Son of God, the Son of Man. The title of today's message is Prepare Him Room. You guys like that song? I really like that song. Prepare him room. There was no room for him at the inn. But instead of the physical, the, the, the technical, the yearly things that we have to checklist off to get ready for Christmas, better yet, are we preparing a place in our hearts for the Son of God to meet us this season so that we can testify of his goodness and meet him in his grace. That's the idea of today's message, prepare him room. So before we get into the word in Luke chapter 2, let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, it's so humbling to consider that you are in heaven and that we are on earth and that you are infinite, We are finite, and that you set aside some time, set aside your purpose and your Son to to touch our lives, to meet with us, to fellowship with us, and and to save us, ultimately to, to redeem us, so that we can be not just created in the image of God, but that we can engage in relationship with the God that created us. So God, we pray that we would have that perspective going into this holiday season, that it wouldn't just be about the, the gifts and the time and the holidays and, the, and all the questions and doubts and worries or, or happiness or whatever it is, God, but that we would take a, take a little time here a few weeks before that day and just prepare a place in our hearts for you to move. Closing out 2018 and getting ready to go into 2019. It wouldn't just be about the physical elements of this season, but it would be about just as much, if not more importantly, the spiritual elements. We pray, God, that you would speak to us and that you would be glorified by our heart to see you. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Luke chapter 2, verse 1, It came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Caesar Augustus is a famous, infamous character in history. The Roman uh, Empire was split up into different sections. He's the one that came against one of the other main leaders and and ruled with an iron fist. He united Rome. He's the one that sparked the, the understanding of Pax Romana, it was it was the roman peace that was brought about by by severe action bloodshed and war he's going to take charge he's going to step up and this is what he did he took back the kingdom he took back the empire and he starts to put things in order And one of the things that he starts to do administratively, he was very well known as a brilliant man as he starts to put these areas back together. and, and, And it says the first thing, one of the first things that he does is that there was a decree made that all the world should be registered. Needs to keep an account of where he has, where the people are, who they are. The census first took place while Quinarius was governing Syria, so all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. This isn't optional. You think about government, you'd like to think optional. It's a suggestion. No, this isn't a suggestion. This is coming down from the top. Everybody will be registered. I don't care where you are now. You need to go back to where you are from and register so that the emperor has an idea of what he's dealing with here. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to, deli- to, to be delivered. Even when dealing with the government, we could always have excuses. I don't know uh, I don't know if this is if connected or not, but I might have shared this in the past. I'm not sure 100 percent, but somebody stole my identity last year and they took my social security number, and they filed a tax return in my name, and, and I still haven't gotten my tax return for 2017 yet. And I was talking to the lady on the phone last week, and she's like, well, it doesn't look like it's going to be December either. looks like it's maybe I'll follow up with you on January 3rd. And I'm like, I'm outraged. I'm charging you interest. Yeah. <laughs> Not going to happen. Not going to happen. And at this point, this should have been taken care of six months ago or more. But at this point, there, there's, been a, there's been a failure in the process. And it's like, it's, it's, not, it's not an option for me. Like, I have people on my behalf. I have people helping me. But it's not an option for me to do anything other than what the law of the land is. And for now, that's to wait. My wife's pregnant. My wife-to-be is pregnant. I can't go over to Bethlehem to register. Or oh hey I'll stay back honey because I'm gonna have to stop fifty times on the way to go pee so you know it's better if I stay home. There was a submission of Mary to Joseph to go to Bethlehem and listen to this I don't know if we caught that in the verse when we when we read it but they weren't even married yet. Joseph, go register. Like, we'll take care of the paperwork and the legalities later, but, you know, technically, go take care of business, what you're supposed to do, and then come back and get me. There's no argument, there's no discussion that we know of in the Scripture. There was a submission and, and an agreement together, and together they went to Bethlehem because that's the place where the Messiah was to be born. So big picture, I hurt, I can't sleep, have to go to the bathroom all the time. How do you feel? How do we feel? We don't know. We don't care. This is what's happening. It seems like it's out of our control. God had a plan and a purpose in it. And here comes the arrival of the Son of God. Almost. I like the airplane sign because it's almost like, obviously, you know God didn't do it with an airplane, but it's, it's like divinely Jesus came from heaven to earth just like that. Well, through the process of pregnancy. They were to be registered. His betrothed wife, who was with child, so it was. While they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. Days were completed. The moment was set. The period was sure. God said, now is the time. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them at the inn. Heard this story a million times, thousand times, heard other people talk about it. And for some reason, for whatever reason, this day, today, this season, my heart just is a little, a little uh, touched, if you will afflicted, the son of God arriving from heaven, there is no room for him. And I have to ask myself, if God is continuing through the relationship that we have with him through his son, if God is continuing to visit us, is he? Is God continuing to engage us? Should he? Is God still pursuing us? Yes, he is, and if he is, does this mean that we have to continually be prepared in our heart to receive what he has for us this season? We should be. We need to be. So spiritually speaking, kingdom of God, big picture, if we're going forward to Christmas and all of the things that we have to get ready for, are we neglecting the main thing? Is there, is there room? Is there room? Is there a place? Is there space? Are we prepared? So the title of today's message is being prepared. That's the word. Prepare him room. This reminds me of Luke chapter 18, verse 8. I've been thinking about this verse a lot lately for some reason. I don't know why, but thinking of Jesus' first coming, thinking of his second coming, thinking of how people received him in his first coming, thinking of how people are preparing to receive him for his second coming. I think of Luke 18, 8, where it said, where Jesus says, when the Son of Man returns, or when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Man, I just ugh, I get the goosebumps. Will he find faith on the earth. Does that translate to being the same as will there be room made for him? Will he find faith? Does my life, does my faith, does what I say I believe exemplify the coming of God into my life, into my heart, through my life? Does it exemplify that there's going to be a second coming of his son, and my life looks a certain way, so that not only am I prepared for it, but I'm but I'm ready and and willing to, to share it with others. Now I'm not saying just because it's Christmas time we should be talking about the second coming, but it definitely should be something that we can we we can consider. The Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And then we have some some really interesting prophecies in the Old Testament. I love the Old Testament, and and I I think that it's very valuable for us and and a blessing to look at. The first one we're going to look at is Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 through 5. You can turn there if you'd like. We do have it on on the screen for you, but you can turn there if you'd like. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 through 5. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. Is heard. Does that sound familiar? The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. What's the first word? Crying? Prepare. Prepare? Yes. Prepare. My mother, when we were growing up, when, when we were getting ready to have guests over, my mother was a maniac. You guys have seen those videos making fun of moms who are OCD about their houses when they have people coming over? man, I wanted to show you one of those videos, but I'm like, man, I can't do it. Just walking around and, you know, throw the towels away, I'll get new towels. The chair, This chair's not in the right spot. It's like, it's going to be okay. That was my mother. Love her. Miss her greatly. But with all that, you know, Because of the way that I was raised, whenever, I love having people over, but whenever we have people over, I have this anxiety inside of me, like, oh, I have to prepare the whole day. Ask my kids because they're helping me. I know what you're doing, but we've got T minus three hours. And I'm back here in the backyard by myself. I clean the whole backyard, help clean the inside. We got to get ready for everything to be prepared for when somebody comes. And when they come over, And it's doing things. I don't know. I think that it was the way that I was raised, but I think that it's a a good way. I think it's hospitable. And if it's true for us in our preparation for these family gatherings and dinners that are coming up, how much more true is it going to be for the presence of God in our life? Remember I told you a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago now, that I wanted us as a church, I wanted you as individuals, to start to pray for the holiday season that we're about to go into? And I keep bringing it up, and I don't mind because I think it's very important. And then we got up to Thanksgiving, and I said, pray, pray for these conversations that you're going to have with people. Pray for these dinners that you're going to have. Pray for for the the chance that you're going to get to love on people, the witness that you're going to get for people. And what's the heart of that? what's the intention prepare to prepare to be ready prepare the way of the lord looks let's look what it says next make straight in the desert a highway for our god have you guys ever been in the desert before y'all don't live in the desert do you Ever been in the desert? Ever take a four-wheel drive or a truck off-road and, and what do you do? You're driving and it's fun. Why is it fun? It's bumpy and you get to go down in ravines and you get to climb up mountains and stuff. As it, part of the fun. And they could identify with the desert because that area where, where Jesus was was very deserty. In fact, I didn't necessarily want to be the Pastor that said this, but I, because I never understood when when pastors said it before. Whenever they give examples of texts through their experience of when they were in the, in Israel when they went on a trip, but I just got back from Israel, and I'm reading these things, and I'm like, man, this is so great how it. Not only how it's connected, but now I see the geography in my mind. And I remember us driving a bus up from the Dead Sea. And the Dead Sea's, the name is the Dead Sea because everything is dead. dead. It's a salt sea, nothing living in it. And it's in the desert. And then we're driving up and we get to this area. And and then we get to this spot where it's like just flat ground desert. And there's some hills over on the side. And it's like a giant person with an excavator of their hands picked up a huge mound of dirt and plopped it down like a sandcastle and, you know, formed it a little bit. And on the top was these ruins of this palace, this thing in the middle of the desert was called Herodias. And it was a a, a retreat center that King Herod built for himself. It was one of the most glorious things that he created. And he was known to be a master builder, a master architect. And it had a theater on the side. And it had the, the whole area up at the top. And in the bottom, it had pools and a spa area. And it was supposed to be incredible. And Herod said, when I die, I want to be buried in my Herodium, Herodias, I want to be there and I want everything that's there that that is used for pleasure to be destroyed so that nobody else can take pleasure in in what I built, nobody else can have fun. So everything, destroy everything, put my tomb there so that everybody when they pass by, and it was on the way to Jerusalem, everybody when they pass by will look at it and and see what, what a great man I was, what a great king I was. And as we're at the top of this area, we're getting ready to do a teaching with our tour group. And you turn over to this side and you look across and right across, right across the way is Bethlehem. You can see, uh, obviously it's a lot bigger now, but, but there's Bethlehem. And then you see where the Son of God was born in humility, directly across from a man who did everything in his earthly power to exalt himself in his kingdom. And what happened to that kingdom? The people came and they pillaged it. They robbed graves and it just stands there as a monument. But when God visited us, Jesus came to earth. That village still signifies how God came in gentleness and in humility. And I believe how we also need to approach not only the visible faith our visible faith to others of what we believe, but also preparedness to do that, to share that faith that that God has given us. So he says, make straight a a desert, in the desert, a highway for our God. There's another time since we're talking about Israel, you know, (laughs) why not? We're by the Caesarea by the sea, and we see the story of, The Roman centurion who has an angel appear to him and says, send to Joppa for Peter to come up and to preach the gospel. This is basically Pentecost for the Gentiles. Long story short, Peter comes up, the Holy Spirit falls on the centurion, a Roman soldier and his family that's prepared and gathered together. And if you look at that account in Acts, it's that journey between Caesarea by the sea and Joppa is is a day or two. Two days there, a day and a half there, two days back. On our tour bus when we were driving up to Caesarea on the sea, do you know how long it took us? About 45 minutes. Do you know why? Are you guys following me? Do you know why it took us 45 minutes? Because we were on a highway doing 60 miles an hour in a tour bus, and he had a, a train horn, and he's Pushing people out of the way. We were moving. We weren't on feet. We weren't going down into ravines. We weren't going on a crooked path. We had this road that was paved and we knew where we were going and we were going there. And the word instructs them, hey, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight a a desert, In in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill brought low. Anything that's built up that you'd have to go around or you couldn't go over, bring it down. Anything that would take you too, too much time going down in the valley, coming back up, raise it up. Make a highway. And this speaks of God's visitation to them. It doesn't slow God down, but there's things in our life that prohibit him from impacting us the way that he desires to impact us. Which is the next verse that we're going to look at in Isaiah. Bring it up. If it's low, bring it down if it's high. And it reminds me of my experience in Europe. Some of the most incredibly long, stupendous tunnels that you've ever seen in your whole life. Here's this one tunnel coming down from uh, Austria into Slovenia. If you're going down to Croatia that we'd have to go through after coming back or to and from a conference that we'd go to up there. That was something like 20 miles long, a tunnel the whole way through the mountain. It's like, they're like, this Alp is in the way and we're going to make a machine to just bite our way through it. And you don't have to go over it. And you don't have to go under it or around it. You just go straight through it. You know how much time we save by doing that? There's alternate routes before they had machines to dig tunnels. It took a long time. Or drive in on the Autobahn in Germany. I don't know how many if people have had that pleasure, that experience. If I'm doing 110, 120 on the Autobahn, nobody's batting an eye. I've got beamers flying by me doing that speed. And you drive around this corner, and there's this deep valley. You have these mountains, this deep valley. And then there's this bridge that you can't even see how long the legs are that just goes straight. You come out, beep, and then you just drive straight across. It's just a bridge, like miles long so that you can go quicker? Bring it up. Put it down. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth. Sometimes I feel like on the razorback going up a mountain. You can't just go straight up a mountain. So they do these roads that go back and forth. It's how it is to get up to Grace's family's property in Northern California. It takes, if you could just go straight, it'd take no time, but you gotta go back and forth and back and forth. And sometimes I feel like that's how my life is, you know? Like, you're a dummy. Go back and forth and back and forth. And the progress that you're making is progress, but it's so minimal. It's gonna take you forever to get to the top. You probably can't identify, that's fine. But for me, I'm like, oh God, just make the path straight. Help me to get the picture the first time. Help me to put it together so I'm not wandering around and taking more time than I ought. Make a highway, and really, it's me preparing myself in the crookedness and the bumps and the, the valleys and the mountains. Is me preparing myself to receive what God has, to receive the Son of God, receive what he wants to speak to me in this season, how he wants me to be his witness for his kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Bless you. The second verse is in Isaiah chapter 57, verse 14. You can flip there to the right if you're already in Isaiah. Or we can throw it up on the screen for you as well. And one shall say, Heap it up, heap it up. Prepare the way. Take the stumbling block out of the way of my people. Heap it up. It's a valley, it's too low. Fill it in. Get rid of the stumbling blocks that I want to overcome to get to you, to be able to minister to you, to bless you, to meet you. I think that you guys know what those things are. You know what the curves in the road are, do you, for you? I know what they are for me. Do you know what the bumps in the road are? Can you identify that? If we're talking about preparedness, if we're talking about filling in the valleys, if we're talking about bringing the mountains low, if we're talking about preparing God to meet us in this season, what are those things in your life that need to be addressed? It's the practical implication of this. God, that shouldn't be there. God, this, you know, this, is, this is not a healthy thing spiritually in my life. I shared this with Wednesday night. I'll share it with you guys too. This is the first year I've done this, and I don't know if you guys do, or we may talk about it a little bit, but does anybody, you don't feel bashful, or if you don't want to, you don't have to raise your hand, but does anybody do New Year's resolutions? I didn't used to, but I, did, I started to just because I like the idea of, of a new beginning. And, and how many of you have, have uh, made New Year's resolutions from this year and you're able to last the whole year through it? Typically, the joke is that that you don't. But f- this year, I was able to stick to it the whole year, and I'm getting close to the end of the year, and, and I'm and I'm sanctifying some time in December and in the end of November, and I'm looking at my life, and I'm addressing the valleys and the mountains and the, and the crooked roads and and the bumpy path, and I'm saying, how can I provide a way? How can I make a, a, a clean shoot, shot to my heart for God to, to prepare me, to minister to me for what the, the new year has in store. And one of the things was, was that um, in the morning, I know this is going to be tough for some people, in the morning when I wake up, I've tried in the past in a struggle. It was back and forth, mostly back rather than forth. But in the the morning, the first thing I do, and maybe you do this, but I I struggled with it. The very first thing I do is pick up my Bible and read my Bible before I do anything else, nothing. But this is what I typically do, okay? Typically, I wake up and I reach over and grab my phone. How many emails do I have? Oh, what do I got coming up today? Look at my calendar. What do I've got what I got going on, you know, who am I meeting with, blah blah blah. What am I getting ready for? I look at Facebook. Oh, look, they they thumbs up, thumbs up, heart. Oh, they like me. Oh, yay. I look at Instagram. I do everything to wake up cuz when I wake up I'm groggy. Oh, I don't feel like reading. I need to, you know, get up a little bit so I'll do. And then I'll get to a place where I still got a little time before I jump in the shower. What's uh uh, what's, what's the word have to say for me today? So I started to exclusively, I, and by habit, I'd reach for my phone and I'd put, it, you know, I'd put it back down and I'd grab my Bible and I would read my Bible. And I started doing it, instead of January 1st, I started doing it December 1st because I should have been doing it last January. And I'm just like, Lord, you know, I want, I want to be doing this now. I want to prepare room for you to move in my life. Because I know that if there's room prepared and there's things happening in my life, then I'm in the best place to help facilitate that for other people around me as well. Because if I'm not in a good place... Then I'm not able to help facilitate that. And then we're we're worse off as as a as a culture, as a society, as a church, which is what the church is. Reminds me in Matthew chapter five of the ten virgins. It's not exactly the kind of message that we want to think about when we're looking at Christmas and we're joyful and happy, but I think it's beneficial for us. The the ten virgins, the ten young ladies, five were what? Prepared. They were ready. Five were prepared and five were not. these These were ladies who were going to be part of a wedding ceremony that was supposed to be very precious and valuable. What woman ever said that a wedding was not important to her? Never. They're preparing for this wedding, and the bridegroom comes, and five of them are ready, and they go in, and the doors close while the other five are scrambling and getting ready, and they're coming, and they're beating on the door. Let us in. We want to come in, too. And Jesus says what? He says, depart from me. I never knew you. Now, as strong as that wordage is, think about who those women were to the bridegroom. They were people who were supposed to value that event just as much as anybody else in the wedding party or involved in the process of this wedding. Yet, they were not prepared. And the bridegroom says, I never knew you. You're not acting like somebody that I would know very well. Because if we had a relationship, you would have responded differently to this situation when I arrived. This also reminds me of the verse in Timothy that talks about in in a large house, in a big house, there are many vessels. There's vessels of righteousness and there's vessels of unrighteousness. And you can go home and in your home today, you have vessels of righteousness that you can identify. What would be a vessel of righteousness? Walk over, open the cupboard, grab my coffee cup. A vessel of righteousness. It's a vessel, and it delivers righteousness to me by preparing me for the things that the Lord has for that day. What's a vessel of unrighteousness? A vessel of unrighteousness. (laughs) A vessel of unrighteousness would be um, what my dog likes to drink out of that I never would, if you catch my drift. It has a purpose. It has a use. And I have a specific use for it, but it's not something that's glorified. Nobody goes over to their friend's house or as a guest and goes, I'm going to go check out your toilet, see how it is. What are you talking about? That's weird. No. uh, Paul says in in a large house, there's there's many vessels. There's vessels of righteousness. There's vessels of unrighteousness. and, And he says, you... Be vessels of righteousness. Be cleansed from the latter, those other things that he had talked about earlier in the chapter. Be cleansed and be fitting and useful for every good work. If you are fitting and useful for every good work, the the point is that you've been prepared. And if I walk over to my cupboard and I grab a coffee cup, and I reach reach out for my coffee, and I go to pour it in, and it's dirty, what do I do? If it's it's a dirty vessel, what do I do? Well, I put it in the sink so my wife can clean it, and I go back to the cupboard and get another cup and see if that one's dirty. It's kind of a joke, guys, 50-50, so don't, (laughs) don't be mad, please. But the point is I look for something that has been prepared. I look for something that is ready. And I think for us in this season right now, I want, I want this to come across to you well. I, I hope that, that we're able to understand like the big picture, what, what we're leading into this holiday season. We know that Christmas is going to be here before we know it. And then there's the, we, we get the nut jobs who take a break for one week after Christmas, and then they start counting down the beginning of January for, for the next Christmas. Those people, at least they give us a week to transition, right? But what does that look like for you? What does it look like for you? And I'll ask the question again in closing, how are you preparing for Christmas this year? We've got a few weeks. It'll be here before you know it. Is it just about those things that you have to put together, the numbers that you have to crunch, the parties that you have to plan? Or is it preparing in yourself, preparing your heart to once again, by the grace of God, receive the Son of God so that He continues to change our lives that were created in His image and conformed into the image of the Son so that we're fitting and useful for every good work. Let's pray. Father, we as your church ask that in Jesus' name, that we would be aware of our preparedness and we would be passionate about our preparedness and that we would look at our lives and the spiritual condition, not just the physical condition. Because God, we need you. We need you. We can't do this our own. We don't want to be the people who try to take care of things and figure it out ourselves. God, we know that you hold it in the palm of your hand. We know that you're working. So we pray that we would prepare room in our hearts to receive you this holiday season that it would be about your son Jesus. He's the reason for this season. But not just saying that as Christians, taking it out and giving it to the rest of the world by our actions. Thank you for your word today. We love you and we pray your kingdom would come and your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.